Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of November 1, 2020. The following announcements are from the October 30 edition of Dots and Dashes, a newsletter published each week by the American Council of the Blind. The first announcement is Voting Story Submissions. For Americans who are blind or have low vision, the right to vote independently has been hard-fought and evolved over the last five-plus decades. The fight for accessible voting is far from over, even though in many places in the country huge advances have been achieved. ACB is actively working to secure the voting rights of people who are blind and visually impaired. This November, the ACB Voices blog is spotlighting the voting experiences of our members. Whether in person or mail-in, please let us know about your journey to cast your vote in vote. Stories can be submitted to voices at acb.org. That's V-O-I-C-E-S at acb.org. FCC adopts audio description expansion and modernizes terminology. On October 27, 2020, the FCC released a report and order expanding the audio description requirements by an additional 10 designated market areas each year for the next four years. In addition, the report and order modernizes the Commission's terminology to use the more common and widely understood term audio description rather than video description. Audio Description Project Updates This week's newly added audio described content includes additions from Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Disney Plus, iTunes, and Hulu. New additions to Disney Plus include Once Upon a Snowman, Toy Story of Terror, and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Want to get in the Halloween spirit? Visit ACB Audio Description Project website at acb.org ADP to find out where your favorite Halloween-related entertainment is available with audio description. And now it's time for the KCB 2020 Conference and Convention, coming to you this week on ACB Radio Live event and on the Zoom platform. Check out page 2 to find all the details on how you can get in on the action no matter where you live. It's not too late to register and be eligible for our fantastic door prizes, including gift cards, cash, technology, and more. Door prizes will be drawn throughout the convention, and you don't have to be present to win. At our Saturday night virtual banquet, one lucky person will win our grand prize of an accessible desktop or laptop computer donated by Computers for the Blind and a year's subscription to Microsoft 365 donated by Jeff Bishop. Our Friday night auction promises to be amazing with a moonlight barbecue basket, Maker's Mark bourbon balls, whoopie pies, homemade holiday cookies, brownies, and more yummy treats an Echo Studio and more technology, a beautiful Swiss music box, jewelry, and much more. Just want to bid in the auction? You can register free by calling us at 502-895-4598. Each year, a special theme is chosen for the KCB convention. This year's theme is KCB, the sky's the limit. In 2018, the theme was KCB, the final frontier, and it was based on Star Trek. 
Our Friday evening speaker that year was Michael McCarty, a major Trekkie fan who came in costume and made a very inspiring presentation. Listen again to Michael's speech on page three. And thanks for listening to Soundprints. We'll look for you at the convention. Page two. News, announcements, and schedules about the upcoming KCB Virtual Convention this week, November 3 through 8. It's as close as ACB Radio, and it's also available on the Zoom platform. Read on for details and find out how you can participate. KCB, the sky's the limit. Kentucky Council of the Blind, 47th Annual Conference and Convention, November 3 through 8, 2020. From the minute you step onto the launch pad, register, and enter our convention cruise ship until you head for home, you'll be part of action-packed days filled with programs, exhibits, tours, workshops, information, and friends. This is your convention flight plan. Read it carefully. It contains registration details, how to listen on ACB radio, how to obtain Zoom links and dial-in numbers, for meetings and events, how to reach our registration, information, and tech support desks, lists of tours and exhibits, schedules for workshops, presentations and meetings, and door prize and auction information. All times shown are Eastern. Registration, the launch pad. You can listen to most of our conference and convention on ACB Radio Live event. Registration is required to receive Zoom links and dial-in numbers to participate in meetings and take part in the conversation. Be eligible to win fabulous door prizes, bid in our lightning bolt auction, and vote on issues and in elections if you're a KCB member. A special auction-only registration is also available. Registration is $30.00. For more information and to register using your credit card, call 502-895-4598 between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. daily. How to Listen on ACB Radio Convention programming begins on Thursday, November 5 at 6 a.m. Eastern Time on ACB Radio Live Event and continues through Sunday evening, November 8. Listen to pre-recorded tours and exhibits, live programming, and convention replays by asking Alexa to open ACB Radio Live, by finding live event on your Victor Reader stream, by listening through the ACB Link smartphone app, by calling ACB Radio from any telephone, including landlines, at 518-906-1820, or by going to www.acbradio.com acbradio.org slash live, L-I-V-E, on your computer. Join Zoom meetings. If you registered for the convention, you can take part in live programs, chapter meetings, and other events via your phone or computer. Watch for your Zoom links and dial-in numbers in your email or call our information and tech support desk at 866 522 1112 that's 866 KCB 1112 if you do not have email or if you need help using Zoom voting in elections KCB and four of its chapters will be holding elections at this convention KCB and chapter members who register are eligible to vote votes may be cast by phone or text 
Meeting times are included in the schedule in this program. Voting instructions will be given at each meeting. Important phone numbers. Registration and KCB Office, 502-895-4598. KCB Tech Support Desk, 866-KCB-1112. That's 866-522-1112. ACB Radio by phone, 518-906-1820. KCB Recorded Information Line, 773 773- Door prizes. Win, win, win. Register and be eligible to win cash, gift cards, tech, and gift items. Our grand prize to be drawn at the Saturday evening virtual banquet is an accessible laptop or desktop computer donated by Computers for the Blind and a one-year subscription to Microsoft 365 Home Edition donated by Jeff Bishop. It's not too late to register and be eligible to win or to donate a door prize. For more information, call us at 502-895-4598. Lightning Bolt Auction. It's time to bid and buy at the Lightning Bolt Auction on Friday, November 6th from 7 to 10 p.m. Technology, food, jewelry, collectibles, gifts, all up for bid and just waiting to find new homes. Register to bid or donate an auction item by calling 502-895-4598. Convention Sponsors Show support for the Kentucky Council of the Blind by becoming a 2020 KCB Conference Sponsor. Sponsors will be recognized throughout the convention and on Facebook and our website, in our newsletter, and on Soundprints, KCB's weekly audio magazine. 2020 individual sponsorships include Glider, $10, Zeppelin, $25, Jet, $50, and Rocket, $100. Major sponsorships are Star, $200, Constellation, $300, Galaxy, $500, and Universe, $1,000. Tours and Exhibits Take a tour on our convention shuttle and stop by the space station to check out our exhibits. Enjoy pre-recorded tours and exhibits on ACB Radio Live event from 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. on Thursday, November 7. Tours and exhibits, along with replays of selected convention sessions, will be broadcast throughout the weekend when live programming is not taking place. 2020 Tours American Printing House for the Blind Museum, Green River Distillery, Louisville Mega Caverns, and Mammoth Cave. 2020 Exhibitors, American Printing House for the Blind, Basin Communications, BrightSideAuthor.com, Computers for the Blind, Earth Creations, Elegant Insights Braille Creations, Guidelight Dog Products, Guidelights and Gadgets, Hayward Gourmet Popcorn and Confections, Holiday Crochet for Everyone, Horizons for the Blind, Mama Otter's Tidbits, Savvy Tie Blankets, Cincy with Nini, SpeedyTurtle.net, including Eschenbach, Hems, Sunu Band, and Victor Reader Stream and Trek, SpeedyTurtle.net, Orcam, Trefco Productions. 
Convention schedule. Note, all programming is on both ACB Radio Live Event and Zoom unless otherwise indicated. Tuesday, November 3, 7 p.m., Chapter Meeting, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana. Deb Lewis, President, Louisville, Kentucky, Zoom only. 8.30 p.m., Chapter Meeting, Tri-State Library Users, Melanie Pesco, President, Louisville, Kentucky, Zoom only. Wednesday, November 4, 7 p.m., Chapter Meeting, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Shirley Kane, President, Bellevue, Kentucky, Zoom only. 8.30 p.m. Chapter Meeting, KCB Next Generation, Matthew Selm, President, Louisville, Kentucky, Zoom only. Thursday, November 5, 3 p.m. Funding Your Flight, Increasing Support for Your Affiliate, Anthony Stevens, ACB Director of Development, Alexandria, Virginia. 4 p.m. Houston, this is KCB. We have a problem. Clark Rackful. ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Alexandria, Virginia. 5 p.m., Journey to the Stars, Recruiting and Retaining Members, Cindy Hollis, ACB Director of Membership Development, Minneapolis, Minnesota. 6 p.m., Keynote Session, Debbie Dethridge, President, Kentucky Council of the Blind, Louisville, Kentucky. Star Spangled Banner, Bradley Mann, Louisville, Kentucky. Invocation, Reverend David Wildey, Retired Pastor, Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, and KCB Board Chapter Representative, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Louisville, Kentucky. My Old Kentucky Home, Bradley Mann. Welcome, Andy Bashir, Governor, Commonwealth of Kentucky, Frankfort, Kentucky. ACB Liftoff, Reaching for the Stars, Dan Spoon, President, American Council of the Blind, Orlando, Florida. 7 p.m., Warp Back in Time, Our Past Heroes, Michael Hudson, Director, American Printing House for the Blind Museum, Louisville, Kentucky. 7.45 p.m., Our KCB Galaxy, Spotlight on Chapters. 8.30 p.m., Life Member and Sponsor Recognitions, Carla Rushevel, Treasurer, Louisville, Kentucky. 8.45 p.m., First Business Meeting, Debbie Dethridge, President, Nominating Committee Report, Rick Boggess, Chair, Owensboro, Kentucky. Election of Officers. 9.15, Ships Lounge, Social Time with KCB Next Generation, Zoom only. Friday, November 6, 3 p.m., Getting to Yes with Your VR Counselor Through Good Communication. Debbie Green, Licensed Professional Clinical Counselor and Retired VR Counselor, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. 4 p.m., Tri-State Library Users Presents, Part 1, Early Development of the Kentucky Talking Book Library and Multi-State Centers. Steve Prine, Assistant Chief, Patron and Network Engagement Division, National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, Washington, D.C. Part 2, E-Readers and More News from the Kentucky Talking Book Library. Barbara Pentagor, Director, KTBL, Frankfort, Kentucky. 5 p.m. Tips and Tricks for Keeping a Guide Dog Team Sharp. Facilitator Terry Turlow, Vice President, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, Louisville, Kentucky. Bill Archie, Field Service Manager, Guide Dogs for the Blind, San Rafael, California. 
Melinda Angstrom, Regional Guide Dog Mobility Instructor, Guiding Eyes for the Blind, Yorktown Heights, New York. Lucas Frank, Senior Consultant, Special Projects, The Seeing Eye, Morristown, New Jersey. 6 p.m. KCB Elections Continued, Debbie Dethridge, President. 6.15 p.m. Green River Distillery Tour. 7 p.m. Lightning Bolt Auction. Saturday, November 7, 9 a.m. at the mic, the many faces of radio, Joe Elliott, veteran broadcaster and Kentucky School for the Blind graduate, Louisville, Kentucky. 9.45 a.m. Voc Rehab, Positives in a Virtual World, Cora McNabb, Executive Director, Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, Frankfort, Kentucky. 10.15 a.m. Our New Virtual School, Peggy Sinclair Morris, Principal, Kentucky School for the Blind, Louisville, Kentucky. 11 a.m. Do you have what it takes to obtain a guide dog? Terry Turlow, Facilitator. Chuck Ferrugia, Field Services Manager, Guide Dogs for the Blind, San Rafael, California. Melinda Angstrom, Guiding Eyes for the Blind, Yorktown Heights, New York. Lucas Frank, The Seeing Eye, Morristown, New Jersey. 11.45 a.m., business meeting and elections continued. 12 noon, lunch and exhibits at the space station. 1 p.m., the world of low vision, when your ophthalmologist can't help. Dr. John E. Music, O.D., Ditto and Music Eye Care Center, Nicholasville, Kentucky. 1.45 p.m., open enrollment, Medicare, Medicaid, and dual plan options. Kathy Holder, HIA, CBC, PAHM, Community Outreach Manager, and Daniel White, Director, Sales and Marketing, United Healthcare, Lexington, Kentucky. 2.30 p.m., Accessible Options for Identifying My Medicine. Kim Charlson, Past President, American Council of the Blind, Watertown, Massachusetts. 3.15 p.m., Break. 3.30 p.m., KCB Business Meeting, 4.30 p.m., Microsoft Accessibility Update, Jeff Bishop, Program Manager, Windows Accessibility Team, Microsoft, Seattle, Washington. 5 p.m., the Chromebook Option and Google Accessibility, Dave Wilkinson, Screen Reader Subject Matter Expert, Google, Louisville, Kentucky. 5.30 p.m., Break and Exhibits at the Space Station. 6 p.m., James F. Shaw Nova Banquet. Welcome, Debbie Dethridge, KCB President. God Bless America, Keith Creasy, KCB Life Member, Louisville, Kentucky. Invocation, Deborah Trevino, Parish Associate, Presbyterian Church USA, and Life Member, Kentucky Council of the Blind, Newark, Delaware. My Old Kentucky Home, Keith Creasy, Louisville. Many flights with ACB, some without a spaceship. Michael Byington, Certified Orientation and Mobility Specialist and former ACB Board Member, Topeka, Kansas. Presentation of William A. Ruth, James Carl Dotson, and Rose and Louis Kane Awards. Adam Rushaville Chair, KCB Awards Committee, Louisville, Kentucky. KCB Technology Grant Award, Matthew Selm, Chair, KCB Scholarship and Tech Grant Committee, Louisville, Kentucky. 
Scholarship and Life Member Recognitions, Carla Rushevel, KCB Treasurer. 9.15 p.m., Ships Lounge, Social Time with Next Generation, Zoom Only. Sunday, November 8, 8.30 a.m., Morning Glory Memorial Service, Deanna Scoggins, Treasurer, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, Louisville, Kentucky. Invocation, Father Jamie Dennis, Associate Pastor, Blessed Mother Catholic Church, and KCB Life Member, Owensboro, Kentucky. Music, Bradley Mann. Convention Thank Yous Planning for any convention begins weeks and months in advance of the event. The entire 2020 KCB planning team has been hard at work anticipating the details about this most unusual convention. A very special thank you goes out to the ACB radio team. Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington, Debbie Hazelson, Dothan, Alabama, and Deb Cook-Lewis, Clarkston, Washington, have attended our convention committee meetings. We could not do this without their guidance and support. Without the ACB radio streamers and Zoom hosts, this convention could not be possible. Finally, thank you to every speaker and program participant, every exhibitor, every sponsor, every door prize and auction contributor, and every attendee. The sky is truly the limit. The 2020 Convention Committee includes Natalie Couch, Chair, Louisville, Susan Ament, Lexington, Patty Cox, Louisville, Debbie Dethridge, Louisville, Cheryl Ott, Owensboro, Bill Roberts, Owensboro, Adam Rushevel, Louisville, Carla Rushevel, Louisville, Matt Selm, Louisville, and Terry Turlow, Louisville. One, page three. Is uh, Mike uh, McCarty? Did you have a special anthem? That I believe that uh, they would like to play. It has something to do with Star Trek. All right, we we wanted to include since we are doing our national anthems and the different anthems for different places. We, uh, in addition to the usual anthems that we do for the United States and the state song of Kentucky, because we are our theme. This weekend is Star Trek, and so if you know anything about Star Trek, there is an organization called the United Federation of Planets. The United Federation of Planets was created from the uh, Earth Organization, United Earth Organization, and so as things progressed in the Star Trek universe, people of Earth did finally learn how to get along. And the countries of the earth finally decided that it was time to get along. So the United Nations would eventually become the United Earth Organization. And on the day that, um, well, several years after we first met our first alien species, which was the Vulcans, um, when we do first contact with them, eventually we all merge into the United Federation of Planets. So, we thought we would play the anthem for the United Federation of Planets and then go down to the United States and then down to the state of Kentucky. So, go from largest to smallest, see? <laughs>
as you're finishing eating, we have Jordy's Visor and other Star Trek by um, Michael McCarty. And uh, has anybody heard of the RadioStorm.com? They'll be on at 10 o'clock tonight in case you're home and want to listen. He's co-owner of that. So I'm going to turn this over to him, and he's going to give us a little musical introduction. Mike, I'm not sure if this cordless mic's on. All right, let's see. Nope, it's not on very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, they've given me the impossible task, and that is to talk Star Trek tech in about 20 minutes. So, <clears throat> yeah, good luck with that. So the first thing that we wanted to talk about since we started off with uh, by calling this Geordi LaForge and other Star Trek tech, so I thought we would start with Geordi and his visor, since that is an interest for a lot of us. Jordy, of course, was born totally blind due to a birth defect. He received his first visor when he was five years old. And Jordy's visor is a very interesting device. He wears it across his face, for those that have never seen it uh, on television. He wears it across his eyes. And it kind of looks like, if you've ever seen like a, a girl's barrette, uh, if you would wear that in, in front of your eyes instead of over on your head. That's kind of what it looks like, but it, uh, it connects to the sides of his head and it can transmit information directly into his optic nerve. So it bypasses his eyes altogether. And the visor was a very interesting device in that it could see the entire spectrum of any kind of light or even sound, if you think about it, in the different ways that uh, we have different uh, elements of uh, light and different things. So it can see anywhere from x-ray vision um, to, let's see here, infrared to x-ray. That's what I was looking for. And so the visor gets all this information at one time and then Jordy kind of has to weed out the stuff that he doesn't want in his mind so he only sees certain things. He once described it as, how do you pick out a particular voice in a room full of voices? You manage to hear just that one voice. That's exactly how he does things when he gets all this different spectrum. Uh, of light and sounds and stuff that he can actually see. So it took him a while to get used to that, but eventually he did work his way through Starfleet Academy, <clears throat> and he eventually became a navigator on the Star Trek Enterprise, uh, the one that we all are pretty familiar with, uh, NCC-1701D, which is the one from the next generation. Uh, he is uh, navigating, and so they, when they originally created the original series, uh, you know, they didn't have too many people with disabilities on there. And that was one thing that Star Trek's creator, Gene Roddenberry, wanted to correct. So when he created the Star Trek The Next Generation, he wanted to have somebody with a disability that had a prominent role in, in the, uh, you know, act activation and stuff of the ship. So, he said, uh, his first thought was he wanted to have a person in a wheelchair. That was going to be his first idea. And then they changed it, and they thought, well, how cool would it be to have a blind person navigating this great big starship, you know, and he's going to navigate this entire ship and then make sure that it gets to point A to point B. Well, as they went on, they decided to give him an even more important role, so he eventually goes from navigating the ship to being chief engineer, so he's in charge of everything tech on the Starship Enterprise. 
Now for us folks who are blind, of course, this is one of the more, I would say, prominent roles for a blind person in television because, you know, a lot of times blind people are either, we either have to be fixed by the time the episode is over, you know, or they have to be pitied before the episode is over. And so this is a very unique opportunity for blind people. So if you have never watched Star Trek The Next Generation, you should check that out. It's very, very interesting to see a blind person uh, in, in command there, in a, in a command structure. So, we're talking about his visor and other Star Trek tech. Now, we could go on about the visor all day long. That's a very cool piece of technology, and without it, Geordi is totally blind, just like many of us in the room. Uh, so he really depended on that device and later his visor would get replaced by totally artificial eyes and he would eventually not need the visor anymore. So if you watch uh, the movies, later movies, you'll see that Geordi doesn't have his visor anymore. It was replaced with total artificial eyes that apparently can still see better than the regular eyes uh, that everybody else has. So there's something for tech right there. So other Star Trek tech that we can talk about. Do you realize how many things in our world today have been influenced by Star Trek? So, so many. I'm going to name you some and some of them you'll be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Some of them might be a little surprising to you. The very first touch screens were used on Star Trek. Did you know that? <laughs> Throughout the series, touch screens that were used. Tablets were used. Even on the original series with Captain Kirk, they had something called a pad. They spelled it P-A-D-D. -D. And so everything in their pad was uh, mostly uh, information. So they would read a lot of information or books. Um, the captain would sign his daily log in a pad that would be passed around to him. Uh, and different people on the ships would do their log. Everybody uh, had a personal log that they do. So if you watch Star Trek, you'll usually hear him say something like Captain's Log, and then he'll give a star date. Sometimes it'll be personal logs and then a star date. Those are usually entered in either through the computer itself or they'll use a pad, depending on how uh, retro that might want to be that particular day. Uh, let's see, other Star Trek tech that we could talk about here is, of course, probably a device that you have in your pocket right now is the cell phone. More specifically, when they first came out, and I don't know if you guys remember this, I didn't remember this until I started doing a little research and I kind of forgot about it. The original flip phone was out in, actually in the 70s, it was a wired flip phone. Do you remember those? I remember seeing one. Uh, they came out in the 70s and then of course Motorola came out with the, uh, the flip phone, the cell phone that we're all familiar with. And they even kind of tongue-in-cheek named it the Star Tech. T-A-K, I think it was. Yeah, Star Tech. So, kind of playing on that. But Captain Kirk, of course, flipped open his device to contact the ship. And uh, Kirk to Enterprise and all that good stuff. You've heard him say that. And of course, the old famous line, Scotty, beam me up. Said that many times using his communicator. And so it looked very much like the cell phones of the day. And, of course, his was equipped with a speakerphone. Uh, so, as you remember, some of the later flip phones had speakerphones on them. Uh, some of the earlier ones did not, but later ones did. <clears throat> and then, of course, while we're on the area of cell phones, 
we would have to be able to, to would have to talk about the fact that we can now talk to the computer and the computer talks back. Something else that Star Trek got into. Now there were some computers that were voice before Star Trek had some very strange voices and stuff, but they really weren't interactive. The computer might give a countdown or it might, you know, do something, but you didn't really interact with it the same way you did on Star Trek. You could literally say to the computer, you know, look up something and it would do it and respond back to you in voice. You could even tell it, of course, to turn down the room lights. You can tell it to turn up the temperature in the room. All that kind of stuff, just like you do with your Echoes or your Google uh, Home thing. <laughs> I don't have one of those. I got the Echo. So, but uh, any one of those devices, that's very much Star Trek. And Siri, yeah, absolutely. Now, in 19, well, I have to go back. In one of the movies, Star Trek Four, we had a, an interesting situation where Planet Earth was being threatened by a large probe that came in because it did not hear the sound of whales. They had disappeared from Earth at that particular time. So Kirk and crew went back to 1986 to grab some humpback whales where they could bring them back to the future and get this probe to uh, leave them alone because it would hear the sound of the whales. While they were back in 1986, Scotty introduced a young engineer to something called transparent see what this is here. Aluminum. There you go. Transparent aluminum. Transparent aluminum is four times tougher than glass. It's clear. And military use it quite a bit now in their tanks and stuff from, to keep you know, enemy fire from going through. It was also used in the space shuttles uh, for its glass because any little piece of dirt that would hit the screen or the, the front windshield of a shuttle could be detrimental to the people inside. So we have this transparent stuff now, and uh, a lot of Star Trek fans say that's because Scotty went back to 1986 and showed us how to do it. So there you go, little Trek turning into reality and, and mixing in that timeline there a little bit. We already talked about flip phones and how those things have got out there, but with your cell phones right now, you probably use Bluetooth technology. Star Trek was very much an introduction, it gave us an introduction to Bluetooth technology. Remember, um, on the original series, Lieutenant Uhura, who was the communications officer, had a little earpiece in her ear the entire time when she communicated with the different ships and star bases and things like that. And of course, on the next generation, they took that technology a little further, and this little metal pin that I have on my uniform is actually connected to the ship, and you, when you tap it, you would get in contact with the ship. So very similar to how Bluetooth technology works. There are now devices that you can wear uh, on your chest or anywhere else that you can tap, and they will activate the Bluetooth in your cell phone so you can answer the phone or listen to music or whatever through that little device. Um, there is actually a Star Trek communicator pin that's Bluetooth now that you, you can tap on it and it'll activate your phone and all that stuff. So. I have one of those too. <laughs> Don't have that one on, but I've got that one. One of the other cool things that Star Trek introduced us to, have you ever wondered how it is that everybody in Star Trek seemed to speak English? Even though we have all these different races that came from the United Federation of Planets, all we ever heard most of the time on television was English. 
Well, the creators of Star Trek and the fans and everybody came up with this wonderful idea of the universal translator. So anytime an alien speaks, or anybody speaks for that matter, it goes into the language of the person who's, who they're talking to. Not very far-fetched now that our cell phones have translators on them. There is an app, for example, called Google Translate. If you speak into that and you select what you want it to be translated into, the phone will translate what you said and speak it in that language. So you can choose Spanish and say something and it'll say it back in Spanish to you. Does it do it near as fast as the, the uh, universal translators of Star Trek? But, you know, you've got to start somewhere, right? So every time a new uh, species was encountered in the Star Trek universe, it took a little while for the universal translator to figure out the base. Apparently every language has a certain base that it starts with, and then the universal translator can pick up from that. And eventually, you'll be able to talk to that new species that you just were introduced to. So that happens all on the fly, which means you have to have really, really fast computers in order to be able to do that. And I'm sure, if you have noticed, our computers just keep getting faster and faster and smaller and smaller. So there's a little device that they wear on their uniforms that is their universal translator. Everybody has one. Um, so you would wear that and that way you could understand everybody that you come in contact with. Now there is another device that I'm sure you've heard in the original series especially, but they, they're present in all the series and uh, that's called the tricorder. There are two different kinds of tricorders. One of them is for health. The doctor will use that to uh, scan you and see what's the matter with you. If you have something medical going on, they can pretty well determine that pretty quick. The other one is used for landscape and uh, GPS. So that way they know where they're at on a planet. They can tell the size of the area that they're in. They can find out where everybody's at. So the tricorder gives them a lot of information. NASA now has something similar to that that they are using and uh, so that's theirs is called the LOCAD and uh, it basically does the same type thing they can scan the area they hold it out in front of them wave it around and it will tell them information you know that kind of sounds like blind square and some of the other uh, apps that we use when we want information about what's around us as we travel up and down the street have you ever pulled out your cell phone with some of those apps and turned different directions and have your phone tell you what's in front of you, what's off to the side, all that kind of stuff? There you go. Another use for Star Trek technology. We also have, this one is one that I didn't really think of, but video conferencing. How many of us have done Skype, FaceTime, any of those type things? In Star Trek, ship-to-ship -ship communication was done video on a large monitor or TV. So we can also relate flat screen televisions, large screen televisions, also come back to Star Trek. And uh, video conferencing, of course, you know, that, that's been around for a while, but now our video conferencing is getting even better as our resolutions on our phones get better. Uh, we're starting to get into other types of communication, visual, so you never know where that technology is going to go. But the whole idea back in the 60s, you know, being able to talk to somebody uh, with something besides just audio, you know, well, that was a big deal. Now, video conferencing is something that some people had wanted for a long time, but it was just, that's just science fiction stuff, you know, so. But now that we have virtual reality, 
we can also get into start talking about Star Trek's hologram and holographic technology. Uh, this is something that a lot of us that are totally blind don't get to experience too much of with our phones and stuff, but augmented reality and virtual reality where you can literally either hold your phone up or wear a pair of glasses and be able to look around a particular environment and literally as you turn your head from left to right, you're looking around and seeing objects and places and you can navigate those places with that virtual reality and augmented reality. And in Star Trek, of course, they're taken to a whole other level. Holographic technology is primarily done through something called a holodeck. And a holodeck is a place, it's a room of the ship where you can go and you can ask the computer to create any place you want. Any place on Earth or any other planet. And you can walk and navigate that place just, and it was just as real as if you were right there. So it makes for a very interesting time for the crew if they want to get away from the you know, day-to-day -day operations of a starship. They might decide they want to go back to, uh, I don't know, go to Spain or they could go anywhere they wanted to go. And they can interact with the characters just as you and I would interact. They can, they can touch, they can feel all the tables, they can eat food, they can do anything they want to in the holodeck. And it's all computer-generated stuff. Well, our augmented reality right now on our cell phones you're able to look around the room, see different things, and even interact with different characters. Um, Angie's got a couple on her phone that uh, a character can show up in the same room that you're in. And as you walk up to the character, you can walk around the character, you can do all kinds of stuff and actually interact with that character. Can't touch them yet, but that's probably coming. One of the coolest things I think we currently use with holograms is apparently there's a new way to uh, go to concerts and see people like Elvis and the Beatles and you do that all through, they are holograms. Uh, Michael Jackson has one. So if you still want to see Michael Jackson in concert, you can go and he's a hologram. And he looks just as real as if he was standing there. So that, that's pretty cool. And holograms will continue to get better and better as our technology and computers get faster. So there's all kinds of stuff that they'll use and I'm sure that will benefit the uh, medical world too is they're going to be able to do different types of surgeries and stuff like that uh, and be able to see things before they actually open you up so that could be very handy we've all heard of Star Trek phasers you ever wondered what the difference between a phaser and a laser is virtually no difference except a phaser is much more powerful than a laser but laser technology has getting now to where we're increasing the power and there are several different places. NASA is one that's working on phaser technology that will be able to protect. This is kind of like for those of you who remember back in the 80s, the whole Star Wars thing. I hate to say Star Wars when we're talking about Star Trek. But I say that only because that's what Ronald Reagan called his uh, little experiment there where they wanted to be able to shoot down rockets over the United States before they were able to hit. So we're using that high-intense lasers now to set up a system like that in case we should ever need it. And so those lasers are now getting so high-powered that they've actually called that the, uh, they're calling them phasers instead of lasers. So let's see here. Other Star Trek tech that we've got here on the list, we've mentioned flat screen and big screen TVs. That technology continues to grow and get more and more uh, intense as the 
pixels get smaller and smaller and they're able to get more information on one screen by 4K televisions, you know, is the latest thing. Uh, so if you can see that, the graphics are getting better. How about something as simple as an automatic door? In the original series Star Trek, an automatic door was a big thing. Uh, that was, now we all just see them all the time and don't really think anything about them. But those doors that you can have now that are automated all got their start in Star Trek. Do you know how they pulled off the effect of an automatic door in Star Trek, the original series? They had two people standing behind a wall. And each one of them held the side of the door. And so when the captain would walk up to the door, they would swing their part back, and there you go. Luckily, we don't have to do it that way no more. <laughs> but that's how they did it back in the day. Now, one of the most exciting things about Star Trek, especially we see a lot on The Next Generation, is the replicators. Replicators are devices that can generate just about anything you can think of. You can replicate food, you can replicate items, you replicate your clothes, your weapons. Everything that you need can be pulled through a replicator. And so you just ask the computer for what you want, and then in a few seconds, the computer will generate that item for you. Now, we do have 3D printing. 3D printing can do basically, in a much slower version, the same type thing. You can give it a pattern, and then the printer can print out a physical object for you, much in the way that the uh, devices on Star Trek do it. Of course, they do it a whole lot faster, but uh, I remember a couple episodes where they would ask the computer for something as basic as hot chocolate, and the computer would come back and say, there are 300 and some different versions of hot chocolate. Please be more specific <laughs> as to which version of hot chocolate would you like. So that might be uh, <laughs> a little bit of something to get used to. I guess uh, that part doesn't get any simpler, but uh, if you want to thing of hot chocolate, you got to be specific because there's all kinds of different chocolates and stuff too in the future. My wife will be happy to know that. Lots of different chocolates. Yes. Oh, yes. NASA is also working on a thing called a deflector shield. This is current technology, but in Star Trek, a deflector shield is something that goes out around the ship and pushes rocks and stuff away from the vessel. So, if you think about the Enterprise as it flies through space, it basically has this invisible bubble that's around it. And so any rock or anything that would come toward the ship, these shields will push it away and keep it from impacting the ship. NASA is currently looking at this technology for some of the Mars rovers that we're going to use in the future to make sure that uh, when they go into orbit, uh, they, make, they don't run into any kind of rocks or any other debris that uh, might impact the ship. And so that's something that they are currently working on right now. Medical Bay. Of course, Star Trek had its sick bay. And in the sick bay, in the 60s, one of the most impressive things that they, everyone saw was the medical bed where you would just immediately lay down on the bed and all of a sudden all this information would pop up on a screen over your head, give you all of your vital information and stuff like that. There were also devices that could be attached to the body that would also give further information about what's going on. And this technology is very much present today. Uh, there's different devices they can hook to you wirelessly or wired when you go to the hospital so they can get that vital information from you. So there's all kinds of information about Star Trek tech. And like I said, I had to do this in a very, very short period of time. But there's lots of stuff we could talk about when it comes to Star Trek technology and the way that it's influenced 
all of our lives, probably the, the most, I guess the largest physical device that Star Trek influenced was in the late 70s. It was an orbiter, and it was called the USS Enterprise. It was the first of the shuttles, the space shuttles that we had. This shuttle didn't go into space. It rode on the back of two great big jets, and they took it up, and then they released it, so that way it could be the first vessel that would uh, go up into, into air, up into space, and then land like an airplane. That was the first test. And there were all kinds of people that sent in letters to NASA, I forget, some way up there in the thousands of letters, to name that ship the USS Enterprise. And so that vessel is currently in the museum, and I think it's in New York. You can go see it. Uh, the USS Enterprise. So, that is a very, very quick rundown of Star Trek technology and how it has affected our lives. Now, I want to do something just for fun. How many people know how to do a Vulcan greeting? Appropriately. <laughs> so, if you approach anyone and you want to do a Vulcan greeting, you raise your right hand and you make a V shape with your fingers. So in the middle, you have your, you have your first finger and second finger, then the V area, and then your other two. So put a V and you hold it up and then you say, ah, oh, you got the back part. That's when you say goodbye. You're right. But what is it when you say, when you actually first come up to them, you say, we come to serve. We come to serve. And then the other person will say, your service honors us. And then at the end, when you're going to say goodbye, then you do peace and long life, live long and prosper. You got it. So, now you all can do that throughout the weekend. I expect you to do better. <laughs> Everyone can learn how to do that. So it's peace and long life. We come to serve. And the other person says, your service honors us. And then whenever you say goodbye, peace and long life, and then live long and prosper. There you go. That's an international Vulcan greeting. And that, that actually was started by Leonard Nimoy on the original series, who felt like there had to be some kind of way that a Vulcan, because remember, Vulcans are emotionless people. They don't show emotions. So a Vulcan's not going to go, you know, bye, see you later, or how you doing? <laughs> you know, they're not going to do that. So he had to come up with something that was a little more, uh, I guess, more official and something that, that looked dignified. And so he came up with that, and I think that worked out very well. And that's one thing that a lot of people will remember from Star Trek. Uh, we could talk all day. I could talk all day about it. Um, all the different ships named Enterprise throughout history. We've had lots of them. Um, World War II. Uh, saw the USS Enterprise, probably one of the biggest uh, carriers uh, out there. Uh, that, of course, was before Star Trek, but I think Gene Roddenberry probably had it in mind to uh, name his starship the USS Enterprise after that World War II vessel. Uh, Gene was actually a pilot in World War II, so probably where he got the idea. Enterprise vessels have been around for a long time and will obviously stay around for a long time uh, in the future. So... Hope you guys have enjoyed, and uh, we're going to talk more Star Trek tomorrow afternoon. So if you want to find out things like when first contact was, 
You know, we celebrate first contact on April 5th. Uh, that's when the first contact will be made. And I think the year was 2063. So we got a few years yet, but uh, we could go ahead and celebrate what will happen. And uh, Star Trek folks are very serious about their dates. You know, everything that happens in Star Trek already has a date associated to it. And uh, you can go out on the internet and find just all kinds of stuff on Star Trek and the dates. But we know we can tell you uh, exactly uh, when certain characters were born, when they went through school, when they went through college, their careers. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's real stuff. And uh, Trekkers or Trekkies uh, are, are very serious about it. So, and got the United Federation of Planets flag behind me. So, um, that's very cool. And hopefully someday... You know, Gene Roddenberry dreamed of a world and an area where everybody was at peace. And we didn't have to worry about fighting. We didn't have to worry about hunger. All the things that we deal with today are gone in the future. And that's really what Gene wanted to put out in Star Trek, was that we can all get along, no matter what your disability is, no matter what your uh, age or nationality, or in this case, species will be. Everybody can get along. And that doesn't mean that we all, that we don't have confrontations. Uh, there's plenty of confrontations in Star Trek if you watch uh, the series. But eventually folks do get along. I did want to mention one more piece of tech that I almost forgot. On Star Trek Voyager, we had a um, Vulcan on that ship also named Tuvok. Tuvok, at some point in his career became blind for a short period of time. And being that he was on a starship and he was also the chief security officer, he, they didn't want to have him lose his position just because he lost his vision. Imagine that. So, this is on an episode we just watched not too long ago. He walks on, now imagine this, okay? You're a chief officer on a starship. So your primary deal is to watch screens, make sure that nobody's going to attack the ship. If a vessel comes up, you need to see what it's going to do. You can look at it, see what its weapon status is, all this very important stuff. So now that he's blind, the first thing we would all think of, how's he going to do that job? So he walks up to his console, and he asks the computer, computer, activate tactile mode. Activate the tactile interface. And immediately, he's able to get all the information he needs literally at his fingertips. He didn't have to have the station, you know, rebuilt. He didn't have to have anything added to the system. It was already there. He just had to call it up. Imagine how much different our world would be if all we had to do is walk up to an ATM machine or whatever and say, computer, activate tactile mode. So, you never know. Hopefully that'll be a way that Star Trek will continue to influence technology for us as well. So, hope you guys have enjoyed. And like I said, we'll talk some more Trek tomorrow. If you have any questions or whatever, we'll cover them tomorrow afternoon. Thank you much. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org.
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio Eye at radioeye.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody. Final reminder, you can participate in the KCB 2020 convention from anywhere in Kentucky or anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world. For more information, give us a call at 502-895-4598. We're waiting to hear from you.